you everybody for joining us today on Defining the Dash. Man, today's going to be an exciting episode. Uh, been really excited about this, getting to talk with some of our heroes today like we talked about in the previous episodes. Today we're going to be talking to the Keene Mountain Brothers, some of the original members. Uh, some couldn't make it tonight, but we're looking forward to, to getting some of the history and getting their testimonies. And man, I'm excited all about it. Absolutely, Brother Chad. What an opportunity we have been afforded tonight to be with some of the heroes uh, locally and abroad, some of the greatest men that I know of. Yes, sir. Um, and I think anyone that knows you gentlemen would agree with that. The title of this podcast is Defining the Dash, and so tonight we're going to interview some people that have, by the Lord's grace and mercy, been able to define the dash in their life uh, with some things that God has prepared for them and some doors that God has opened for them throughout their life. Yes, sir. Some of the, the greatest memories I have growing up was with these with these guys, so they've always been uh, heroes to me. They've always been friends. These guys have been family, and uh, some of them are family. But um, So if you don't know who they are, one of the songs they sing is actually our opening song, and so uh, they do a wonderful job, very anointed group. And so we're going to get in here and, and talk to to some of the Keen Mountain Brothers here. And uh, Brother Mark, you want to introduce everybody that's here today? Yeah, I'll be glad to. Over to my left, we have Brother Robert Deal. Growing up, I remember Brother Chad in Sunday school class, yes, the sir. Lord allowed me the opportunity to sit underneath him. And I tried to glean some things from that. Uh, there were some mistakes I made in life probably because I fell asleep in Sunday school class. <laughs> but it, it definitely wasn't that the wasn't quality. your fault, Brother Robert. Yeah, that wasn't, it wasn't him. It was, no, it was staying up. It's probably the algebra in high school. It's probably more that. But it had nothing to do with the lack of quality of the Sunday school lessons. Uh, him and Brother Steve, fabulous teachers. Yes, and uh, what a great light he's been in my life growing up. And then Brother Bill over here beside Brother Robert. Brother Bill, I've been honored to go to the nursing home with him a few times. And I've just watched how the Lord's used him at the nursing home and um, how God's anointed his life and his music. And he's been an inspiration to me and loved by our family. And I hope he loves our family uh, as much as we love him. And what a fabulous man. Across the table from me, I have Brother Mike Compton. What a wonderful inspiration. Uh, Brother Mike has been to me and so many people that know him. Um, I remember for many years, Brother Mike would write the Christmas plays here at the church, and God would not only inspire him with music, but also with quality of plays to reach out to community people and church people and anybody that would, would come out and watch it. And so, uh, and that's who we got here with us tonight, Brother Chad. And it's, it's going to be a great time, I know. I let you do that intro because two of these guys are family to me. And the third one might as well be. <laughs> Brother, uh, Brother Mike is my father-in-law. And uh, I've been very blessed. I have no complaints at all on my in-laws. Uh, Brother Bill is my dad. So um, it would be very easy for me to to brag and, and talk about these guys. And then Brother Robert, man, he's... He's just always been there as uh, growing up and everything. He was my Sunday school teacher, uh, traveling with these guys, singing. Uh, got to spend all kinds of time with him, and he just became like a second dad to me. And him and his good wife, Sister Teresa, have always been family to us, and we love them. 
and just watching God use their life. And uh, we just were so thankful for this opportunity. And then we, we also have some more members that wasn't able to make it tonight. We, uh, Brother Mac Osborne, great, great guy, plays banjo, does backup vocals. Wonderful, wonderful man. He's like family to us. Uh, Sister Sharon, Sister Sheila, uh, bass singer, mandolin player, singer. And uh, they do uh, do a wonderful job, and, and we, we love them and appreciate them. And just, it's just, it's not just church people. It's a great family right here. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we're so thankful that we've been able to be part of it and to know them. And uh, we're thankful they, they were able to meet with us tonight and go over some of this. And, um, so we'll, we'll quit for the moment doing so much bragging and we'll let you guys get to know these great men and, and, um, and, and see for yourself and see how God has used them. But, uh, so welcome, welcome guys. Nice. And, uh, good, good to be here. I'm good glad the legends are here. And first of all, uh, one of the things when, when we, when we talk about you as a group now, uh, I don't know what year it was that all of you really came to Keene Mountain to start with the, the first. You know, Keene Mountain is her, her home church here, but uh, the church I was raised in. But um, did all of you come around the time that the group started, or were had you been here several years when the group started? Um, well, I I was here when Brother Mike came. Yeah. Uh, okay. I was actually started church here just a few months before Brother Randy came to pastor, and uh, Brother Mock came shortly after that. I came a little bit after Brother Randy too. Yeah. And then, what year? I know you was talking about it a little bit earlier. About what year was it when the group did um, start singing together? Or I know you have never really looked at yourself as a singing group. Um, it was really just more like extended family that had the opportunity to to go around to churches and, and minister. But but um, looking at it, I guess from an outsider's point of view, as uh, as a group, about when was it that the group actually came together? I, I would say probably late '84 or '85, and uh, started. <laughs> really started one Sunday morning. Brother Mac, I guess, was a, really the instigator. To, he wanted to sing a song, learn a song, and sing it. Leave it to Brother Mac. And, uh, <laughs> and we just started. That's the way it all started. We just got together that Sunday morning and tried to learn a song. And and then it just ballooned from there, you know. Wow. So God took something small and did something mighty with it. Now it's been 35 or 40. 38 years. 38 years, yeah. Yeah. I believe we was all sitting up here practicing. Was it was it a yeah. Sunday? Fellas, yeah. was it a Sunday yeah. morning? Yeah, it was after Sunday school, yeah. And we was just up here practicing a little bit on a song, you know. We hadn't ever really sung together that long. And I'll never forget, uh, we was up here practicing that song, trying our best to sing it. I think it was a acapella song, no music. <coughs> and uh, then church service started. And I remember a lady that was sitting back in the congregation. She said, how about letting them brothers sing that song they was practicing up there? And to me, I felt like it kind of started the King Mountain Brothers yeah. a little bit. And then Brother Ansel McLaughlin said one day, my uncle, he said, y'all gonna have to get a name for your group. He said, I got one for you. I looked at him and I said, what's that? And he said, Scrap Iron Quartet. There you go. And if you know Brother Ansel McLaughlin, you know, 
he's my uncle, but he, but he, he, he always came up with something. Yeah. Yeah. Brother Annis was a good one. Yeah, he was. And, uh, now, um, I was, uh, I was thinking, um, you know, we, we've probably, some of us have heard your testimonies maybe on how, on how you've got saved or, or throughout the years you've been able to, to share those and, and, and it's been such a blessing and, um, but would you care to, to share your individual testimonies here? Just tell us a little bit about how you got saved, what was maybe taking place. Was you at a revival or was you, uh, I know like our pastor, Brother Randy, he, you know, he, he got saved at home at the foot of his bed, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, but, you know, in, in talking to people and, and reaching out to young people and, and things, it's a, I, I like to let them know that regardless of where they're at in life, uh, God has a purpose and a plan for their lives, and um, so can can y'all share a little bit of your testimony with us on um, you know how how you came to know the Lord and and how you got started on this great path. Well, <clears throat> I was raised in church. I, Mom started taking me probably when I was four or five years old. Uh, first preacher I ever heard preach was called Edith. Wow, and he. He'd get up and sing, ain't no grave going to hold my body oh, down. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, I just sat there in amazement watching him play because there's six strings on the guitar, and when he got done, there usually three left. <laughs> and he, yeah. he's a big man. Yeah. And, you know, he I'm sitting on the platform one day, and he walked over and uh, looked at me. He had a big gold tooth in front. And he said, one day it's going to be you. And, you know, it kind of stuck with me. Wow. Uh, I got, as most teenagers, like Brother Mark was talking earlier, you know, I got away from the Lord during my teenage years. Uh, I came, started coming to church here in 84, 85. I came back to the altar and prayed uh, one morning when Brother Randy was preaching. And uh, didn't really get my feet on the rock till. Uh, Brother T.R. Stump came to Hell Revival once, and uh, he preached, and every message he preached, this, Brother Mark just came right to my heart. And from that moment on, I I never did want to want to go back out in the world. I just the Lord did something miraculous for me, and I I just wanted to go on and tell people about it, share it with other people. But uh, since that time, I couldn't tell you what year it was or whatever. Uh, I have served the Lord the best of my ability, as most of us do. I've faltered and failed many times, but I've got up and and went on because I know the best is yet to come. And I I really enjoy being saved. I I do. Oh yeah. I, I love a Christian life. Go ahead, brother Mike. Well, I was. <clears throat> Really, I probably didn't go to church at all. I wasn't raised in a Christian home until I was 14, and we moved from Baltimore City to Garden Creek. And I had an aunt that went to Brother Ansel Children's Church, and every year they would get a group together to go to the Richlands Youth Camp, that's Tabernacle, Old Tabernacle. And I, I decided to go with her that time, and uh, it's probably... I uh, had to be about 74, somewhere in there. And 
I still didn't understand a whole lot about it. I still remember the old dorms you'd sleep in and everything. And, and I prayed on that Thursday night and uh, felt felt different, felt changed, and went went back to my home church, Ansel Childers up here at Garden Creek. And and uh, done, I done good and probably for a year. And then I just let, let things with going to school and everything just take hold of me and got away from the Lord probably when I was 15 and was a backslider for four, probably four years and I really didn't think I could would go that far away from the Lord but it seemed like you just go go so far and then go you know say you're not going to do this but you end up right. and I really got in bad shape with you know alcohol and drugs and things like that but uh, at 19 years old I had a a best friend killed in a car accident, and uh, it just devastated me. But I was sitting at home that Saturday morning. Mom told me about <clears throat> Mike dying, and I just, you know, a lot of people says you hear you Lord you hear the Lord speak or whatever. But to, to me, it just I, I I felt something in me say it could have been me, and I went to that funeral on that Monday, and uh, made my way to to the house of God. At, up Garden Creek, Brother Ansel Childers, and uh, Brother Vince Wilson preached that night, and I went to the altar, but I done made up my mind. I, I couldn't go no further the way I was going because I was really going to get in bad shape. I probably already was, but uh, went to the altar and prayed through, and uh, <clears throat> it took me a while to get through, probably prayed for an hour and a half, and then all of a sudden, it just when my heart became broke, and the tears went to flowing, and all I can say is, "I'm sorry, Lord." Uh, it's just like, and I've been trying to explain it ever since. Wow. It's just all of heaven came down and washed washed everything that shouldn't have been there. And man, He's been good to me. He's been good. good. Thank you, Lord. Well, Hallelujah. I guess my story is uh, back in 1977. Uh, it's the year I met my wife and uh, I wasn't raised in church I was sort of like Brother Mike was talking about that. my dad and my mother didn't go to church and uh, I didn't know nothing about it I was just a plain old country boy and it often crossed my mind oh, many times wondering is this really real is these people really feeling what they say that they're, uh, they are feeling I mean and uh, I remember one time standing beside a road, and I guess it's all right to tell this. And I, you know, there's a lot of things we can go to church for, but but the first time I guess I really went to a church house, I was a kid, but I didn't know nothing about it. And somebody picked me up in a bus and took me up there, and they was doing Bible scrambles. But in my adult life. I got interested in my wife. Well, she's now my wife, but she's a girl back then, and I'm a girlfriend, I guess. And I went and stood outside of that church, laying against the wall, chimney, and just peeping in. And I thought, what in the world do they do? I mean, how do these Christian people really worship God? And, you know, it's all new to me. So I'd, I was peeping through the window, and you know, it's all new to me. I, I didn't know nothing about it. I I, I was unlearned, you know. And uh, they was 
uh, some white-haired lady. She got up, and they was doing what we call taking prayer requests. And she got up, and she said, I've got prayer requests. And, you know, and she said, I'd like for everybody in here pray that Bill Clifton will get saved. And I went, whew. Hmm. And I was standing outside peeping through a window. And she probably didn't know that. But I was standing outside. She called my name. And that's how the Lord gave me a song that I sang sometimes, you know, someone called my name. That actually happened. And, man, there was something come over me. And uh, eventually, eventually, several, Burmark, several services later, I found my way inside that church. And I was sitting there with my girlfriend then, I guess. And then uh, eventually I gave my heart and life to God and got married in that church. And then, you know, I did get cold, like Brother Mike talked about. I kind of got away from the Lord there for a while. And then uh, I ended up going up on Osborne Mountain to that church, Brother Elmer Helton. And I'll never forget this. I, although I wasn't going to church regular, I would take my wife and my boys every time they would service and jagging vows for that. Because every night when I went to bed, I know there was something real about this thing called Christianity. I know there had to be something real. God was real. Christ was real. And because I could feel a little something, this old country boy that didn't know nothing, couldn't hardly talk plain, couldn't do nothing much, I know there was something real about this. Mm-hmm. And I went there, Elmer's, and uh, I'd take uh, my wife and boys and drop them off. I'd sit there until they came out of church and I'd bring them back home. And I said, although I'm not going right now, I said, but you all are still going. Because I, I believe there's a little something real about this. Make a long story short, things got worked out. And there was somebody come talk to me about some things that went on. And I started working my way back inside the church house. And this happened. This happened, fellas. This really happened. I was sitting there in the congregation, bro, Stuart Cole was preaching revival up there. And uh, I know, uh, I don't know how many sinners was in that church. You know, all I know, they was a big one sitting right there and it was called me. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, <clears throat> when he uh, was getting ready to give an altar call, there was a boy sitting up front that I didn't even know, Harley. Sitting up front, coming over against the wall. And I, you know, I just kind of, you know where the Bible talks about, uh, like Gideon and making the fleece, putting out fleece before God? I sat there and I crossed my arms and I said, God, if this thing is really real, and if I'm, if you're really dealing with me like I think you are, because I can't explain it, I'm unlearned, I'm ignorant in this, I don't know nothing. I tell you what, God, if you'll get that boy right over yonder, that man over in that corner, I said, if you cause him to get up or speak to him, let him get up and come over here and come down that aisle all the way to the back and come straight to me and invite me to come and pray, then I'll do it. Guess what happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sat there and I looked, and that man, he got up. He walked over in front of the pulpit. He walked all the way down the aisle, and he come right down to me and got down on his knee. I said, hey. I feel like the Lord wanted me to come back here and invite you. And I went, oh, 
You know, I said, this is real. Yeah. Friends, this is real. Yes, it is. And if you're out there on rail land, you can get saved. Yes. Just Amen. like this old country boy did. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, this question is not on the list. Well, it is now. <laughs> this is an impromptu question, so don't y'all get nervous. But, you know, in doing this, as we was talking earlier, a lot of this, you know, it... it it, this is not just for young people. Uh, this podcast is not just for young people or old people. This is for everyone. But in case there is somebody, you know, there's a lot of people who are shy and backward. And I know some of us here at this table are. Um, probably not me so much. Uh, I probably should be more shy than I am at times. But the there's probably somebody out there who maybe has been through something, much like... A lot of us have, and they'll they might say, "Well, people's tired of hearing my testimony," or "I can't testify as good as, as somebody else," or "I can't." How important is it? Do you feel that we share our testimonies, even if we've told them before, or um, or even sharing these stories, like Brother Robert talked about, Brother Claude Ely? Or like you talked about, Brother Vince Wilson or, or Brother Stuart Cole. These are all yeah. great men yeah. in our in our holiness movement that have, have gone on to their reward. Um, you know, there's so many of them in my life that touched my life and and that may never know now the difference they made in my life. And my children will never get to know the difference they made and will never get to meet them now because they've gone on. How important do y'all feel that it is that we continue to share these stories? I think it's very important because without older people that in my life, without their support and their prayers and their guidance, I would never be here where I am at tonight. Uh, Me too, brother. Uh, brother Claude, I mentioned him before. He took me home with him and I stayed in his house. and. After church, we'd sit and eat bologna sandwiches at the table, and you know he would encourage me. Uh, I had <clears throat> Brother Buford Smith was my pastor for a while, and he'd take me to youth camps all across the country and different things. And uh, so many older people. Uh, my dad was a great influence in my life, and uh, just the life that he lived. And uh, we, I feel like it's a challenge to us to show the way uh, the world, the church world, I feel like is leaning too far to the, to the left, getting radically far away from what I grew up learning. Yes, sir. I agree. Uh, you know, I still believe that holiness preachers or holiness people can still love the Lord and live a good life and set a great example for a young person. Uh, they, they did in my life. And uh, I've got so many people I could look back on. My Sunday school teacher, Bill Shorty, she, was, she helped me and she never quit supporting me, even when, never quit praying for me, even when I got, like Brother Mike, wandered off. <clears throat> and uh, every time she'd see me, she'd grab me and hug me and tell me how much she loved me and missed me. You know, just people like that that uh, never gave up on me. And I feel like. Brother Mark, we give up on people too soon sometimes. Yes, sir. Especially young people, they face so much more than what what we faced in our lifetime. 
the world has changed so radically fast uh, with technology and everything. There's so many temptations and so many distractions in the world for young people that we didn't have to face. But without those those people guiding me and helping me and pointing me in the right direction, I I'd never be where I am tonight. And I I thank God for them. And yes, sir. I would sure like to follow in their footsteps. And I'm telling you, we got some big footsteps to, yes, to follow do. in. Absolutely. Yes, we, we really do. do. We got some big shoes yes. to fill, don't we? Yeah. Robert, you said something interesting. Uh, Listening to y'all's testimony, I've, I've noted a common denominator. And it sounds like in our lives, there's been a time that we struggled, whether it was at the beginning or we had gotten in and we, you know, maybe right. we had failed God and, you know, and the Lord gave us grace enough to get started again. And looking around me, I know different people comes to mind when thinking about this, people that have been raised in church or not raised in church. And seems like they have started out a good way, mm-hmm. uh, started out solid. Um, and for some reason or other, whether it would be a trap of the enemy or just bad decisions or whatever the case was, you see people that may have fallen or struggled. And I'm wondering, you know, I hear you talking years ago, uh, 30, 40 years ago, that God had a plan for your life. And even when you struggled and you had fallen, that God would pick you back up. And when you fast forward, you know, a few years, you see where God's grace and mercy has been true in your life. But I'm wondering in 2023, what would you have to say to young men or women or middle-aged men or women that may have started out in a good way and solid and doing everything they know to do and for whatever reason, whether it's bad decisions or, you know, trick of the devil, whatever reason they had fallen, and maybe with that fall, they may have laid down their hopes of doing anything for God in the future. What would you have to say to somebody like that? I would tell them to get up, try it again. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, as we sitting here talking, I, I, I had a moment. We mentioned people that were precious in our life that meant something to us. I reflected back on a time when there was a preacher come, I think it was, Brother Glenn Sturgill came to our church when I was young and he called me up out of, out of the audience and he said he felt like the Lord had work for me to do. And he took the bottle of anointing oil and instead of just anointing me with his finger, he turned the whole bottle up <laughs> and poured it on my head. I mean, the whole bottle. Wow. And it ran all the way down my shoes. And he brought up that scripture in the Bible about talking about the anointing was on Aaron as the oil dripped off his beard and different things. And you know, and I, I, I faltered many times after that as a young person. But there's moments like that I never could get away from. I'd lay down at night, and those moments would come up in my mind and remind me, you know, that God had, had done special things for me and that he still had things for me to do. And I... He gave me a quarter to wash my hair after after he poured a bottle of oil on my head. And it wouldn't take near that much now to wash. But anyway, the, those moments in time, I, I believe God impresses in your mind and in your heart that God puts those footprints, if I can say it that way, 
that never go away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and you reflect back on those, and when you really realize that that's the best life that you're ever going to have in this life. Right. You need to do like the prodigal. Yeah. No matter how far you went, the Father's always waiting on you back home. Yeah. And uh, like I say, I don't know of anybody that faltered more than I did in those 10 or 15 years. And, but God never gave up on me. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way about my own children. If they falter or fail, I'm never going to give up on them. Right. I'm yeah. going to keep praying for them and <clears throat> keep asking God to give them grace and mercy until they, they find their way back because I believe eventually they will. If, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, do. I think the Lord was kind of leading us down the same path, Brother Mark. We're both jotting, making notes over here. We ain't looking at each other's notes, but what he just asked is very similar to what I was going to ask. You know, we might see some young people today that um, as the the scenario or stereotype goes, they'll they'll get in at this youth camp, and then by the time youth camp's over, they're getting back out. And then next year at revival, here they're coming, they pray again, and mm-hmm. and they try again, and they come again, and then they give up and they come again. And before long, they they become captive to that kind of bound by that because well, what are people thinking? You know. Uh, now if I go pray, people's just going to look at me and say, oh, he's just here doing it again for the week of youth camp. Or, you know, they're not going to pray with me. They're not going to take it serious. Or I've tried so many times and I've failed each time. You know, uh, people like that, how, how, how do we look at that? And, and what can we say to them to try to overcome that, that barrier that they've kind of built or that they're seeing or that the devil's put in front of them to – to say, hey, try again, you know, mm-hmm. how, how can we, what would you recommend we try to do to help encourage them in that situation? I think we have to let them, first of all, I think we have to let them see that we're all human. And we have been ever since we were born. And and God, the God we serve has always been a God of second chances, right. a God of new beginnings. And then if you get into the scripture, yeah, you get to start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll get to see, even in, we hold the disciples so high. I've always, you know, held the disciples so high, but they struggle just the same as. Yeah, Man, you yeah. struggle today. Sure. Peter had struggles. John sure. Mark had yeah. struggles. Paul and Barnabas had disagreements, and and just as long as, as young people know that God is always. I don't think He ever gives up on. on I don't someone. I don't think He ever. Because knowing that just me as a father, just like Robert said, there's nothing you want to do for you for your children. Right. And if he's if, he, if he's put that fatherly love in us, or even a motherly love, how much more is God's love toward us? So I I just say young people they're just gonna have to keep getting back up. And there's there's something brother more brother L D Moore used to always preach the message uh, who can tell. But if you're a young person out there uh, today, and uh, I would encourage you to get back up, learn an instrument. Yeah. If, if you're backward like I am, I, I don't think I would be singing right now if I wasn't with these guys. I wouldn't all my, all my life because I just wouldn't had to. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't had the fortitude to get up there. <laughs> but God will put you where He wants you to be, and, and then He'll give you He'll give you something to do to glorify Him. And that's why we're all living anyway. So. Yes, sir. Thank God puts people in your life. Right. You remember 
Mike talked about Paul and John Mark and Barnabas. I love the example Barnabas had. Yeah. Uh, he, he, Paul didn't didn't think it ought to bring Mark back. No. Mm -hmm. And Barnabas said he's good. He's he can do something good for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And if I think we as Christians and especially older people ought to be able to have the spirit that Barnabas had and never give up on him. Say God's got a purpose for him. I agree with Mark. I I feel like, especially between me and him, that God gave us each other yeah, to, to lean on to support support each other. And uh, God will put people in your life that will help you and you can talk to or, you know, uh, fellowship with, uh, learn to sing with, learn to play. Hey, I had to learn to play a guitar when I was 26 years old or 25 years old. Mm. And... Uh, if you set your mind to it yeah. and somebody will help you, I sit up here and watch them change chords as singing and everything and had to learn up here on the pulpit. And if you got a desire to serve God, God will put people yeah. in your life yeah. or somebody that you can really trust and lean on that will help you. Amen. I believe that, bro. Uh, you saw my sitting up here watching somebody play and uh, trying to get some points from their pointers and it brought back something in my mind when we first started you know we had a, we had what three guitar players and a yeah. banjo player and, and everything and uh, one day somebody made a comment you know said we need the mandolin in the, in the mix and uh, I thought you know I'd like to play a mandolin, but I don't know nothing about them. I still don't know nothing about them. I'm still learning on all of it. But uh, I prayed and asked God. I said, God, if it's meant to be, if it's meant for us to sing and be a blessing to somebody and try to help somebody, would you uh, work it out where I can get a mandolin? Well, I had a 22 rifle, an old one. And I run into a friend of mine one day at a church, and I said, you don't know where I can find a mandolin, do you? I can't afford it. And he said, well, you got trade on it. I, I just said, well, I, all I got is a little 22 rifle, you know. It ain't, ain't big name for internet. He said, tell you what, I got a brand new mandolin. I'll swap even with you. He said, if you tell me what you're going to use it for, I said, I'm going to use it in church. He said, I'll swap even for you. And I got it. I was at my in-laws. And it was on a Sunday after Saint school, and he lived and seen this and them. And I got the mandolin probably about three o'clock, and by six o'clock I was in church with these guys, trying to learn to play. Mm -hmm. And all I had it was a piece of paper had a few chords on it, and I was trying to learn to play with them. And that's how it all got started. And it's talking about what kind of message we could leave all those people out there in Radio Land. I like to say this, don't ever give up on God. Right. Mm -hmm. There is a God that loves you, and if he's still dealing with you, and if you have that urge and that desire and you feel like you need to pray, don't give up on God because he has not given up on you. And we all make mistakes. I think all three of us here has talked about it. You know, we've kind of got a little cold on God there, but 
God still had enough mercy for us to bring us back into the fold. And I remember we were singing over Brother Mike Roberts one time and L.D. Moore. He was uh, there preaching a revival. Now I'll never forget that. I never know L.D. Moore. They was talking about Brother Paul and Timothy Martin and all of them. And, uh, and God was dealing with me to do something else besides just singing. You know, just, you know, I felt like he was calling me into the ministry. We was always singing and we walked off the pulpit these brothers here, our brother, and uh, we'll come walk around through our buddy just out blue. L.D. Moore jumped up and grabbed me and pulled me down. I believe our noses were going to touch. <laughs> Those of you know L.D. Moore, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And he looked at me right in the eye and he said, "Brother, why ain't you doing what God called you to do?" And then he just sat back in that chair, relaxed, or talking to whoever's beside of him, like he never saw me. And I walk away from scared there. I I didn't know what to think, but but come find out about it. He, Burr L.D. Moore was, some calls him like a prophet. He, If he told you something, nine out of ten times, he would come to pass. So, you know, God loves us. Yeah, and does. God will work it out for you. No matter what you're going through, God will work it out for you. Amen. Well, we're going to cut this episode here. Um, and... Uh, we're going to uh, pick back up next week on this, but um, I want to say to you out there, if you are listening, if you're enjoying this, tune back in with us here next week, and uh, we'll pick up right here where we left off with the Keen Mountain Brothers, and uh, we sure hope that in the meantime, you're going to be living life to its best, making it count, and giving God your all. Thank you again for joining us today, and God bless you. When I win this war, I've got a church